Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, unique uh, new podcast for you today uh, here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Of course, we are always fueled by our friends at Cody Road and the Mississippi River Distilling Company. Uh, great partners here at Cyclone Fanatic and CycloneFanatic.com, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Pick yourself up a bottle of Cody Road or um, it's cold out right now, the Iowa, Iowish Cream Liqueur going down quite well. I've noticed the last couple of nights. All right. Um, it's been a tumultuous 10 to 14 days up at Iowa State for a lot of different reasons. And I wanted to get to the bottom of it. No better place to go than athletics director Jamie Pollard. Um, Pollard is very open here, very brash. That's what I like about him. Very transparent about his thoughts on the current situation going on up at campus and in the city with COVID to have fans or not. And, uh, well, I wanted to give Pollard an opportunity to speak for himself. That's what I'll do here. Here's a conversation that was uh, recorded Thursday morning with Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard. All right, Jamie. Well, I, you have such an interesting uh, viewpoint of just everything from not only your experience after living it for the last, I don't know, six months. But, you know, my, my thing – is you were on the ground floor in New York City on the NCAA tournament committee when this was all starting. And I remember talking to you <laughs> when you were coming back from there and getting your opinions on all this. And I'm just curious, like, did, did you have any – could you have imagined flying back in March that we would be in this spot now with, with – college football and this virus and just everything that's gone on over the last six months? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, it, no way. I mean, I, and anybody, like, and maybe some of the health experts knew that, you know, <laughs> it could be just long and, you know, open-ended, but um, no, I mean, I think all of us back then were just in the, you know, we were dealing with the reality of, did we just cancel the NCAA basketball tournament and all spring sports? And, you know, the fall seemed like so far away at that time. And, um, and I just think of everything everybody has gone through during the last six months. And, you know, here we are on the eve of football. And in some ways, you know, it's, it's hard to believe we got here. Yeah, no doubt about that. It, it just changes all the time, too. That, that was my thing as well. I, 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 how have you adapted to that? I know you're a, you're a guy who likes to have things planned out. I mean, you have to be organized in, in a position like yours, but I mean, it just seems like 
every couple of days, like the goalposts move just a little bit, just navigating through that. What has been your game plan just from a leadership standpoint? It's, it's been extremely hard, you know, and, it, you know, um, I'm not saying anything that everybody else is that's trying to navigate this is dealing with. And, you know, it's just, um, I mean, I could cite numerous example after example where, you know, you, you uh, put together what you're going to do and then you go to do it and it's already changed before you're, you've announced you're doing it. And then people think you're an idiot for what you announced. And, you know, and, and, you know, you're just, um, it's just really, really hard for everybody right now. And, um, but it is what it is, you know? And so you got to brush yourself off, get back up and forge forward because, um, you know, it, it wins if we don't keep pushing. Yeah. Um, so Iowa State is now like days away from hosting a 2020 football game, which you acknowledge we didn't know if we would necessarily get here. But it wasn't easy. Uh, the last uh, seven to ten days have been very difficult, I know, for for a lot of people. Um, and I, I thought about you. I've known you for 15 years now, and I thought about you last week. When everything went down from your announcement on fans, um, you're going to let 25,000 of them in. It was a university decision to that getting reversed just a couple of days later. And, you know, the first thing I thought was, oh, no, this is not good. <laughs> um, this is this is like the most Jamie, anti-Jamie Pollard thing ever because you're you're always getting out in front of things, right? How how did that process play out? Can you can you walk us through it? Because I, again, like just my knowledge of, of who you are, I, I knew that that was incredibly difficult. Well, um, let me say several things. First, um, you know, football. Um, other than you know the obvious of you know whether the Big Twelve is going to play or whatever was going on, you know the, the football part of it has been fine, and, and I can't say enough about Matt Campbell, his staff, Mark Coberly, our football players. Um, they've done yeoman's work, sacrificing, doing the right things to get us in a position that we actually can have players on the field and play a game. You know, and then, you know, the part that you're talking about is, well, then can we put people in the stands to watch actually those games? And, you know, um, John, I think back to, you know, six months ago when we identified five principles that, um, you know, we were going to abide by to move forward. You know, and one of those principles, it was the second principle was it's important for athletics to stay aligned with the university. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, we've been lockstep with the university all the way. Um, but as I reflect upon, you know, what went down over the last two weeks and why that, you know, was probably the most frustrating and disappointed I've ever been since I've been at Iowa state, um, is cause we got burned by being aligned. And, um, you know, and I, I wrote down some reflections because I know I'll have to talk about this numerous times, you know, over the next several weeks. And, you know, I, I, I just, I'll, I'll share this with, you, you know, Ames needs this university. Right, Ames, Ames is not Ames if Iowa State's not here. No doubt. Okay? This university doesn't exist if we don't have students. Okay, um, and I know I don't have a job if there are not students here. Okay, so the university decides to bring the students back, and some in this community get upset by that. Okay, well you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. All right, 
the university needs the students. They need that tuition revenue. They need those kids in town. They don't need them just deciding to take online classes because if they did, then why are they coming back here? So the university implements a 50% classroom attendance. And then the faculty are upset with the university administration because the faculty, you know, they want people to work at Fairway and hy V so that they can get their food and they want people to be, you know, doctors and nurses so they can be served, but they don't want to be in the classroom. Not all faculty, but, but some of the faculty. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then along, then along comes athletics because, you know, we're getting closer to having a game. So we got to figure out what we're going to do. So we present, you know, three attendance plans, no fans, 25%, 50%. Okay. Obviously financially it's better for us to have 50% than 25% or no fans. But the university wants us to be aligned with them. So we align with them. And that meant let's do the 50%. You know, and so the first version of the 50%, nobody was comfortable with what it looked like. That was basically letting people just have the seats that they had. So we went back and spent, you know, our ticket office worked tirelessly for a week and reset the entire stadium with those that had continued to keep their tickets. And that was where the 25,000 came from. You know, it no longer, it was 30 at one time, but 5,000 people had peeled off. And we even said it'll be below 25 by the time we get to September 12th. It'll be probably around 20. Well, I can tell you if we played today, it would be 20,400. Okay. So it wasn't even going to be 25,000, but, but we stayed aligned with the campus because that was one of the principles, and I, and I think we should be aligned with the campus. But campus asked us to stay aligned with them and do the 50% model, okay? Then our students did exactly what you'd expect students to do when you bring them all back. They had two weekends of partying. And what happened, Chris, was the first week, they had a 3% positivity rate. The second week, a 3% positivity rate. The third week, it went to 13%. And the fourth week, it was 28%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that weekend, when all that information was percolating, um, campus made the decision that they were, we had made the decision that we were going to be, they, they, campus was debating going online only. We made the decision no fans because the support stay aligned. And then over the weekend, campus decided that no, they need to, they're going to stay in person. They're going to keep kids in the classrooms. So they said they need us to have fans because it would look bad if they stayed on campus, but we said no fans. Mm. So we made the decision again, jointly. Um, You know, I played a part in that because I could have said absolutely not, but why would I? The campus wanted us to have fans and we, we, you know, obviously it was in our best interest to have fans. So we, we moved forward and we made that announcement on Monday um, and so people that have said, well, it was, you know, 12,000 or 20, you know, the people that think we should have said 12,000 are all the ones that think they were going to be part of the 12,000. Yeah. Okay. There would have been 12,000 that would have been told no. Okay. But I can tell you this, that what ended up happening in that next 24 hours is the faculty in this community abandoned president Winterstein. Hmm. They abandoned her and she really was left with no choice, but to reverse the decision. I didn't like it. Um, I was disappointed that people that she's been colleagues with for 40 some years just abandoned her and left her out there high and dry. So she had to make that decision. And so we support it. Okay. Well then athletics gets blamed for being irresponsible. Okay. Wow. All we did was 
try to work our way through this with the campus and stay aligned, and then we get blamed for being irresponsible. Then the regents want a new budget. Well, okay, what does that budget look like? Because now it's not $17 million, it's $30 million. And the regents want to know, are we going to drop sports like Iowa? Okay, well, I'm sitting here as the leader of the athletics department going, wow. So I'm going to have to publicly say we're considering dropping sports, that Matt Campbell's going to have to get another pay cut, and – you know, nobody, I mean, none of the faculty on this campus have taken a pay cut yet, not a dime. Um, you know, and people in this community think that, you know, they, 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 you know, as I've said it before is they, um, they didn't want a mall, but they want new retail. They didn't want a swimming pool, but they want a place for their kids to swim. They want people to take care of the elderly, but they didn't want a healthy lifestyle, uh, facility. Um, they want conventions in Ames, but they voted down the convention center. Um, you know, they want a university, but they don't want students. Mm. They want us to have a football team, but they don't want fans. Okay. So, um, so we put out there what we thought was the, you know, I stood up for our staff and say, well, if you, if we're going to put sports on the line, then we ought to put the arts on the line. Well, you know, now you see what happens there. You know, the faculty and community go crazy because they know how dare this institution take away their arts. Well, I didn't hear any of those faculty or staff say, how dare you take away the wrestling program or how dare you take away the swimming program. Okay. So that's what's frustrating because, um, there are just so many people, especially in this community that want to point fingers and have no solutions They just have answers, but they don't want any of the solutions to impact them. And that's just not reality, folks. You know, and so that's what made this last couple weeks so difficult because um, people just weren't being reasonable. They just weren't being reasonable. I get why people thought we shouldn't have fans, okay? I get it. But, you know... They, they want to make it in a silo without any other consequences. And, and you, it, the world doesn't work like that. None of us can run our own finances at home that way, right? It's not how you deal with your kids. There's consequences for decisions. And it's, I think it's just fascinating to me is they're perfectly fine if the consequences of those decisions don't impact them. But as soon as it impacts them, then, then they get vicious. They get overly self-righteous and, um, and, and you watched it play out. And, you know, that's why we put out there about the, uh, the uh, performing arts center. I knew we weren't going to shut down the performing arts center, but you know what? Those people needed to understand there was consequences too. Yeah. That, so I'm a, just a little of my background. I don't know if you knew this. I was a theater major at Iowa state for a while. I got out of there. Um, but like the arts are very important to me. Um, but I, I can also understand it because I've been in that crowd for a really long time. Uh, it was a really big part of my life for a long time, still is. And what was frustrating to me watching the backlash last week was it, it seemed, Jamie, like the community, uh, not not in all cases, I don't want to speak for everybody because that's, that's a dangerous thing to do, but many um, folks who n- aren't necessarily sports fans um, were – the you know the same ones who were so upset about having fans in the stands were the loudest about the CY Stevens deal 
And it, it, what I found was not many people really understood the how that's set up, right, under the umbrella right. of the athletics department. There's not – I think, like, your diehard Iowa Staters understood that, but I don't think that, like, broadly – Many people understand how athletics took that under its wing a few years ago and how, you know, you were really doing the arts a favor, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the alternative was, well, we'd seen the alternative. The building hasn't had a dime put into it for years. It's, it's, a, it's an embarrassment now. It's not a, you know, these people that say, oh, it's a landmark. It's the building of the century. Yeah, it's the building of the century 100 years ago. Any of those people, you know, I'd challenge any of those people. They've been in the building in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, but the fascinating thing, Chris, and Jen, it goes back to just the society we're living in. You know, I didn't respond back and say, when these people write me, I don't write them back and say, well, you can't, you don't like the wrestling program or you don't like our swimming program. Um, I'm not accusing them of that, but they accuse us of not liking the arts program. That, I mean, it's, it's fascinating that these people can be so overly self-righteous about, you know, their beliefs versus other people's beliefs. Nobody disagrees that the arts aren't important, but there's people that think wrestling and swimming and golf are just as important, just like they think that, you know, faculty on this campus are important. And there's decisions that have to be made and there's consequences for those decisions. And there's, there's just people in this community that are oblivious to that. And to me, that's, that, that's what got exposed here in the last week. Um, and maybe that needed to get exposed. I mean, keep in mind, this is the, that same community that several years ago, Dr. Lee offered up a plan of $30 million for a $45 million convention center for this city. And all the city had to do was vote for the other $15 million. And they, they, they turned their backs on it. They voted it down and said, if the university wants a convention center, let them do it. Isn't that interesting? Which you know, is- translated it. I mean, they, they want their cake and eat it too. Which is why last year, uh, I think it was in the spring or in the middle of the football season, whenever it was, you you came up with that plan and, and, and you released it. For right? the entertainment center. Yeah. Correct. And many of those same people lobbied that they don't want the entertainment center. And you're just going, okay, then what's the solution, folks? You know, is the, the solution for them is let's just keep it the way it is and we'll all die together. I mean, because that's what's happening, you know, and it, it's, and now COVID has said, well, you don't get to die together. Somebody's going to have to die first. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and so now you got to decide who's going to die first. Is it athletic programs? Is it faculty programs or, or is it the art? You know, and when that question had to be answered, then it's a whole different perspective, isn't it? So, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. I've never been associated with a community that um, is like the city of Ames. Um, you know, and, and we'll figure out how to keep pushing forward and find a solution. But, you know, things are painful to get done around here because, you know, you, you're, you're fighting people over stuff that you're just, you scratch your head and go, why are we arguing over this? Um, but, you know, that's, that's life. Can you, you know, we'll push forward. There's a solution out there somehow, some way we'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, 
Isn't this a little bit too? Um, I don't know the politics of Ames, so I'm I'm fully ignorant here. But I do, you know, I've been commentating on sports and COVID for six months now. I feel like I can somewhat put myself in your shoes in the sense, and in, in Doctor Winterstein, where it really doesn't matter what you say or decide, you're going to have half of the population upset with you. Um, oh, there, I mean, no doubt. But that's, but Chris, that's public leadership. And so, you know, yeah. I mean, that happens whether you keep a coach or you don't keep a coach. If you raise ticket prices or don't, I mean, think about it. Give Matt Campbell whatever he wants, okay? So you give him what <laughs> Matt Campbell wants, but then, well, why did you raise ticket prices? You're all about the money, Pollard. And you're going, okay, you know, did you think like we were, we just, like I have a tree in my office where we grow the money? I mean, sometimes, but that, but that's public leadership, you know, whether you're city council, you're, or, you know, Kim Reynolds, um, you know, your, um, school board, yeah. you know, look at all the issues right now, Des Moines public schools going through. I mean, there's just public leadership is a challenge. I, I just wonder too, like if what's, what's, what you're describing uh, up on campus in the names right now is just, a, just seems like a microcosm for our entire country. Right. I mean, it's just in a, in a smaller setting. Is that, is that accurate or is it, is it? Oh, I I mean, in in my opinion, absolutely. Yes. I mean, people are either all the way on this side or all the way on that side. Both sides think they're the only way things can be solved. And like most things, the way to solve it is to meet in the middle and somebody gives and, you know, I always say, you know, the best negotiator is the one that understands the other side's got to win too. And in our country right now, neither side wants to let either side win. And that's why we have such a vicious political process right now. And um, so, yeah, you're right. Um, real quick, I, I, just, I don't want to leave any um, loose ends here on the C.Y. Stevens thing. Can you just explain how the athletic, I don't think a lot of people, I, I see this like, well, athletics shouldn't be in charge of the arts. Well, can you explain to people why that came about? So here's, yeah, here, here's what all that's happened, Chris, is in 1988, the university outsourced the management of the Iowa State Center. Okay. And so since 1988, there's been a various companies that have managed the Iowa State Center, okay? Throughout that time period, the center could not operate by itself, standalone, like the athletics department, and balance its budget. There is a shortfall. The shortfall right now is to the tune of roughly a million dollars a year. That's maintenance, utilities, um, you know, keeping, trying to keep the building open. That's not even counting the deferred maintenance that hasn't, you know, um, been addressed in that facility. In 2013, long before athletics took it over, the university uh, commissioned a study. That study recommended $30 million of improvements that needed to be done to CY Stevens in 2013. That's where we got the 25 to $50 million number because the 2013 with inflation would be a lot more than 30 million. But we said there's an additional 25 to 50 million. Okay. So a year ago, campus was dealing with tremendous budget cuts because declining enrollment and Dr. Winterstein um, had multiple, multiple budget sessions with university leaders 
everybody being, we did charrettes and tried to, you know, come up with different ideas for solutions. And one of the solutions that was offered up was, why don't you transfer, you know, right now, that management company was reporting to the vice president of the university. And we said, why don't you have that management company report to athletics and we'll put it as part of a a whole collaborative effort to build an entertainment district and we'll have athletics and our event staff, you know, try to figure out, can we operate the building more efficiently or buildings more efficiently and try to reduce some of that um, subsidy that the university is providing. So on July 1st of 2019, the oversight, the oversight of the management company rolled over to athletics. The million dollar subsidy from the university stayed with the Iowa State Center. Okay? So all athletics is doing is just overseeing all that instead of the finance person on campus. All right? We went through and figured out how to carve Sheeman out and put Sheeman as part of our event staff that run Hilton and all our Jack Trice. And so we've been able to get Sheeman now up and running without a subsidy and have a plan to do some renovations at Sheeman, add parking, um, you know, and that's part of the whole Hilton project. Mm -hmm. We had the entertainment district project, which was to hopefully bring in an outside investor. The outside investor would help build the convention center, build a hotel. It would spew off revenue from tax abatement, um, having the city, you know, the city not collecting tax on it and use that revenue to hopefully renovate CY Stevens and be able to get out of the subsidy for the university. So the university could take that million dollars and redeploy it for faculty salaries and student programming, not for athletics, but for the university. And so COVID hits, everything falls by the wayside. And now we're all left trying to figure out how to, you know, make choices. And well, one of the choices that was made was the faculty saying, I'm not going to support Dr. Winterstein if she allows there to be fans in the stands for football. Okay, that's a decision that gets made. Now there's decisions that need to be made about sports sponsorship and further payroll cuts for staff in the athletics department. Keep in mind, not one faculty staff member has taken a pay cut yet. Okay, but Matt Campbell's taken close to a million dollars in pay cut, including his bonuses. All right. And so all I did was put on the table, well, if we're going to consider dropping sports and consider having me, me having to go back and ask coaches to take another pay cut, a second pay cut, um, then the university ought to think about maybe not funding the million dollars that they're putting into keeping arts open for this community. And now we saw the, the revolt on that. It was real easy to say, get rid of fans for the games. Mm-hmm. but ooh, oh. touch my art center and you got, now you, you know, now I'm upset. And so, you know, that's just the reality of where we're at. So, um, you know, campus has decided, you know, we're going to try to figure out how to not touch the arts. Okay. Um, but I didn't have anybody say we're going to not touch the sports or we're not going to touch, you know, our coaches salaries. And so, 
you know, we'll keep pushing and try to figure out other solutions. One other, That's an overview of what happened. One other point I would make too is just I remember when you when you were when you first started here, the conversations we would have about athletics and like you were just trying to get to a point where you could be self sufficient. You remember those days? <laughs> yep, and and we did it. Yeah, I know we did it. But I you know. And, well, I, I would go to a step further, Chris, you know, because I hear people write me go, well, it's shameful you guys, you know, didn't even have a rainy day fund. People don't write me if you don't know what you're talking about. You know what? We got $45 million right now in a rainy day fund, okay? 25 of it is already encumbered for the Sports Performance Center, so you can't use that, okay? So we got $20 million that we got to try to figure out how to, to use to keep this place afloat, and anything above that, we're going to have to, you know, take money from the university to do. Um, you know, so I, you know, when people write, I mean, it just amazes me. I mean, I, I wouldn't think to write somebody about something I don't know about, but you know, apparently there are people in this world that just think they know everything and feel that their opinion is so important that they need to write and also be vicious when they write. Yeah. What, what other point I, I've kind of been making for months now is I, I guess I always failed to understand. And this is where I would, I would question the faculty a little bit. You, you mentioned, if, you know, well, one point I would make without Iowa state, um, what are your home values worth in Ames? Like it, right now, Ames and Iowa city, I, it's, it's not a fluke that home values are the highest uh, in those two cities in the state of Iowa. Um, two is I, you know, I would think, if Iowa State didn't have students on campus, then enrollment would drop even more. In some Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That's the fear in higher education across the country, not just Iowa State. Why do you think all these campuses brought all these students back? Without them, I mean, think of it. You know, um, my good friend is the AD at Oregon. I mean, almost all of Oregon's student population comes from the state of California, and they pay out-of-state tuition. Why would they do that if they were going to be online, right? So yeah. Iowa State is no different. We, we, you know, not to mention, you know, I go back to Ames needs the university and the university needs students. If the students aren't back, okay, who's paying all the rent and all these apartment buildings that are built around here? Yeah. And when those landlords, when those community members don't get rent, then they're not going to be able to pay their mortgages. And when they don't pay their mortgages, then there's going to be banks that don't, you know, it all backs up. Okay. And people that want to make decisions in silos just don't get it. The last point I would make, and I've made this on behalf of you and I, I hope you're okay with it, but I, I'm sure you will be this, this notion. And this is where I I've had a really hard time. The last few months is if you think we should be playing football or, you know, sports or even have students on campus or whatever that you want my grandma to die. And, I, you know, I've made the point for you, Jamie, you you live in a house where, I mean, you have a pre-existing condition. Um, you have a son who has pre-existing conditions like you're not this um, you're not this covid denier. Right. Who is uh, not aware of uh, you're not you're very concerned about public health. Like, I, I think that you can be everything. I've tried to make that point on behalf of you. Cause I just, I just know you so well over the years, but that bothers me. That's the stuff that we're, where you can't, where you just get accused. Right. If I, if I think that the, the big 12 should be playing football, then I have people tweeting into me that I, 
I, I don't care about public health and I, I want their, I want people to die. And like, it couldn't be farther from the truth. And I know that's the case for you as well. Oh, you're right. And thank you for uh, saying that. Thank you for defending me evidently. So I appreciate it. Chris. Well, it's but, true. Uh, like, I mean, you, but, you, you come from a house where you're very concerned about this, right? And, and absolutely. I, I mean, anybody that says I'm not, hasn't been around me for six months. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, Cause they, they haven't seen what I've done or not done. Right. But, um, but you know, I go back to this and, you know, now I'm going to say this and then people, you know, the haters are going to say, well, why does he say anything about Iowa? But, but let's just use that as an example. Okay. Is we just announced this morning, every volleyball, every soccer and every football player passed their Wednesday, big 12 test. On last weekend, we did 619 tests, and we only had one student athlete positive. You know, we've done 2,598. Well, now I got to add in the, from yesterday, so we've got 2,700 tests we've done, and we've had two percent. We've had a total of 51 af- 51 positives of all those tests since June 15th. Okay, Iowa. Two weekends ago, had 93 in one weekend just from a sample size of 500, okay? Well, why is that? Do I think that our practices are any different than Iowa's? No, the difference is Iowa's not playing sports. Yeah. So those kids have no structure, no motivation to adhere to the protocols that are necessary to live and thrive with COVID. And so our student athletes, our coaches, our athletics department is showing how it can be done. So when people say you're making a choice, they're, no, they're not. People are making it. If, if you want to thrive, there's ways to do it. Follow, wear a mask, wash your hands, don't go to parties, don't hang out in places where you're putting yourself and everybody else at risk. Okay. That doesn't mean you can't have sports. Heck, our kids are not getting it they're obviously not getting it from coming to practice and being in sports because the positive tests are zero. Look what's happened in the high school sports in the state of Iowa. Okay. Where it's happening is when people just disregard any responsibility for doing what's necessary. And then you have the numbers go up, you know, and quite frankly, our student body, you know, I'm not going to blame them, but you know, they did exactly what people thought. Here was another factor though, Chris, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of digressing on you, but, you know, back to that decision of why we, the campus decided to stay in class that weekend and decided to keep us going forward because we knew, we knew what the, when everybody was saying Ames is a hot spot, that was the results of testing done, targeted testing done on people that we knew had gone out to bars and parties two weeks prior. Mm-hmm. Okay. We knew that by September 12th, the numbers were going to be back down and lo and behold, they're back down. Yeah. So, you know, the decision needed to be made that day because you had to implement it because it was going to be two weeks from now. Well, guess what? We're now two weeks later and the positivity rates way back down. There's no positivities in our athletics department. And there's no reason we couldn't have played Saturday with fans. But the decision was made two weeks ago, loud and clear by the community. Okay. So now let's talk about that. Here's what's going to end up happening. Chris is we're going to have to make another decision about the Oklahoma game. Well, that decision can't be made the day before the game. 
That decision's going to need to be made two weeks out. So guess what happens? I'm going to guess over the next week, the positivity rates are going to continue to go down. And we're going to watch there be fans at games all around the country, including NFL. And people are going to say you need to have fans. So we'll make decisions. Most likely, let's hope that we get to say we're going to have fans for the OU game. All right. And then we got to go two weeks and hope that there's not a, a big rash of positivity in our student body or somewhere because people then will say you guys were idiots for going forward. So it's, you know, that's the challenge that we face right now about how you started this interview. Things change daily. Yeah. They change daily. And, um, and that's what made it, has made it so hard to navigate. Well, um, I, I know I, for one, I appreciate your transparency through the process. Uh, you were, you're one of the first to get out in front of it. So, um, thank you for your time. I know you're busy right now, uh, clearly with the, the first game coming up on Saturday, but I think this clears up a lot of things for, for a lot of people. I hope it does at least. Well, I'll, I'll just end with this because this was what Matt Campbell and I talked about last night. I, I reached out to him and just said, I couldn't be prouder of our coaches and our student athletes not only for what they've committed to do over the last two and a half months to get us to this spot, they've led us, um, they've shown us how it can be done, but they're also on the verge of being incredibly inspirational because when we play Saturday um, and when our soccer team plays Friday night, the therapeutic value to all of us to have some kind of normalcy is unbelievably overdue. And, um, you know, I wish more fans could have been here to, um, to get to be part of that therapy in person, but hopefully many of them will get that therapy by watching the games on TV and let's hope for a huge cyclone win. And that Saturday night, we can all feel like we've taken a giant step forward and trying to get back to some normalcy. Yeah. Just, I got to critique you here. Could you have scheduled an easier opponent for the first game? (laughs) Okay, which side are you on here? Because I go back to, it was South Dakota, then it was uh, Ball State, and, you know, it was kind of last man standing. You know, let's just be grateful I didn't choose La Tech or SMU, or we wouldn't be, right? This 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 um, team's really good. I'm doing my prep. Like, this this should be a really good game. It'll be a fun game on Saturday. Well, you know what? Coach Campbell and I have joked and said, if um, strength of schedule is going to matter at the end of the year to get into the college football playoff, yeah. uh, we may end up having the best non-conference strength of schedule in the country this year. Um, so let's beat the Ragins on, Ragin <laughs> Cajuns on Saturday and then hope they go undefeated the rest of the way and win the Sun Belt. And um, we will be very well positioned from a strength of schedule. Um, so, no, they're a really good team. They, their, their coach is a really good coach. You know, Chris, he's got great pedigree being at Clemson and Alabama. And yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, I would have rather played somebody that would have rolled over for us. But you know what? Um, our kids are up for it. And um, I, I, I think we'll play really well on Saturday. And um, it'll be fun to see what happens. Appreciate your time, Jamie. Thank you. All right, Chris. Thank you.